Super Talk Mississippi media production. Coleman Taylor Transmission, servicing Central Mississippi for over 60 years. Their ASE certified technicians offer dependable transmission services, a warranty, and record services. Call Coleman Taylor today for all your transmission needs. Welcome in, everybody, to the Rebel Report. My name is Michael Borky on a day where you might have to watch LSU win the national championship. Uh, so if you're looking for anything else to do today, hopefully this podcast will give you a nice little break from that. Yeah, they won game one of the College World Series. It was a really good game. Uh, throwing up a meatball on an 0-2 count to a guy named Tommy Tanks is a decision that Florida made, and uh, it cost him. But anyway, uh, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Ole Miss because this is the Rebel Report podcast. So uh, a couple of things for you. Uh, I'm going to do one of these today and one tomorrow. One's going to be this, and then the other's going to be literally the exact opposite. So today, I've got three reasons why Ole Miss is going to overachieve in 2023. And then tomorrow, I'll give you three reasons why Ole Miss is not going to overachieve, why, why they're going to underachieve relative to expectations in 2023. So a good and a bad, I guess, uh, these next two episodes of this very podcast and i appreciate you guys checking it out don't forget while you're here to subscribe if you have not already just uh, pull out your phone if you're listening on the website search rebel report subscribe and leave a rating and a review if you like what you hear also follow me on social media at michael borky b-o-r-k-e-y couple of house cleaning notes to, to get through before we get into the actual three reasons uh one the manning passing academy is going on right now jackson dart was supposed to be there and he was not there, and it is leading people to ask questions as to why. This is not a situation like uh, like Johnny Manziel, or uh, maybe it's only Manziel. I have I don't know of another story, but he didn't like sleep through an alarm, or he didn't skip the Manning Passing Academy because he was too cool for it or whatever. It, it's not like that. Uh, apparently, the word is that he's uh, he's nursing a bit of an injury, uh, nothing too serious. Uh, but they would rather him not travel and do like skills competitions and stuff while he's not a hundred percent. I don't think, based on uh, reporting elsewhere and also some um, some conversations that I've had, uh, I, I don't think it's really serious. I don't think it's threatening the season or even threatening training camp. Uh, I, I just think they would uh, rather him not. Again, rather him not participate in a skills competition and stuff like that. Um, they, they would rather him do all of his workouts and rehab under their uh, supervision. So that's why he's not there, at least uh, based on what I know and reporting elsewhere. Uh, and so no big deal. Uh, nothing to, to really be overly concerned about. Nothing season-threatening, at least. That is the word as of as of right now. So no, Jackson Dart didn't shun the Manning Passing Academy, he didn't sleep through an alarm or get too drunk the night before or whatever. It's not one of those situations. There is a valid reason why he was not there, and it uh, doesn't sound like anybody is uh, is super worried uh, about it, more so just making sure that they do this, uh, they, they do it correctly. So anyway, there's uh, that. I also love, by the way, that this is how college football media works, man. Uh, this is how it is. Joe Milton... At a um, at a camp in shorts and a t-shirt, throws a football really, really far, and everybody's like, "Oh my God, Joe Milton! Do you see this throw? This is unbelievable! Like this is why I have him up my Heisman board." And 
Has anybody ever doubted the the arm strength of him? He's always had probably the strongest arm in all of college football for years now when he was at Michigan and when he was at Tennessee and lost the starting job despite having the biggest arm in college football. He couldn't throw the football accurately enough. And that's why Hendon Hooker took over and Tennessee got good. But now at the Manning Passing Academy, Joe Milton throws a football really, really far and suddenly it's like everybody's mind blown. We have the shortest attention spans on earth. We've known Joe Milton can throw a football like that. His issue was accuracy. That's going to be the difference between Tennessee being good and bad is can he actually throw the football on target accurately because he hasn't displayed the ability to do that as of yet, at least consistently. We'll see if he can, but geez, we are so prisoners of the moment sometimes. It's the same thing in the College World Series. I mean, LSU Wake Forest, everybody during the game when it goes to extras, when it's 0-0 was, oh my God, this is the greatest college baseball game of all time. It's Whoa. We've seen dueling pitching performances at an extremely high level in the College World Series before, guys. It was a 0-0 baseball game after the regularly scheduled allotted time to play in baseball. Like that great game, great pitching matchup, but greatest game of all time. It wasn't even for a championship. It wasn't even in the championship series. It, we, we, I say we, I'm, I'm, ragging on it but people get so caught up in being prisoners of the moment where a 0-0 game after nine is the greatest college baseball game of all time even though it wasn't for a championship joe milton throws a football really really far and it's see this is why i have him ranked so highly in on my heisman list going into the season got through football really far uh, give me a break but that's that's media for you that's uh that's what we do that, uh, it, you know, sometimes I do it too, I guess. But uh, anyway, uh, also uh, recruiting. Uh, recruiting is now a, a, just a hot thing uh, around Mississippi right now. Uh, Ole Miss, as, as we talked about um, not too terribly long ago, had a ton of momentum both in-state and generally in, uh, in recruiting. And when they were doing a really, really good job in Mississippi State has like flipped the script and recaptured that momentum. They got uh, the commitment yesterday of a, a, a high, high, high-profile offensive lineman uh, from right here in the state of Mississippi, and it's causing a lot of people to ask a lot of questions. And um, I, I got a message yesterday, and guy said, "What the hell's going on?" And my response was, "You thought Mississippi State was going to lay down?" Question mark. Uh, no, I mean they, they there was there was some contention there uh, after Ole Miss's run uh, of recruiting momentum and Mississippi State has done a nice job of recapturing that and getting commitments as well uh they they were never going to just lay down and let Ole Miss get everybody uh, at least uh, I hope that I didn't characterize it in that way for you guys but you you should not have expected Mississippi State to just not fight back and, and not try to recapture uh, some momentum uh, the good thing for Ole Miss is it's still it's June is a long, long way away before signing day. They they have a chance to to get the momentum back, and and usually I don't talk about recruiting in the context of what Mississippi State is doing or vice versa. Like on the radio show, I don't think state fans should compare their recruiting to Ole Miss, or it's not about that. But in this class, it's a little bit unique because the state of Mississippi is filled with players that that they need to get that Ole Miss needs to get that Mississippi State needs to get. And it's a little bit unique. The, the obsession with getting Mississippi kids 
I think is is a losing proposition if that's what you want to base your recruiting efforts on every single year. But this year is a little bit different. The, 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 the state is filled with guys that, that you need, that you can get, that you can win with. And so you've had these this dueling recruiting momentum back and forth and back and forth. And right now, State has recaptured that. There's, there's no doubt about that. It's up to Lane Kiffin and Pete Golding and staff and uh, th- those guys to to close strong. But if you're if you're sweating, if you're chest bumping or chest thumping or sweating over recruiting in June, um, you're doing it wrong. It's June. The good news is good. The bad news is bad. But yeah, aren't aren't anywhere close to the finish line yet. Uh, not anywhere close. So uh, we'll see how it ends. But uh, I, I think freaking out positively is um, is silly to do without context. And freaking out negatively is also kind of silly to do uh, without context. And yeah, I know you've got media guys doing their weird back and forth thing, but don't pay any attention to that. that that's just not worth your uh, emotional capital on either side, truthfully. But anyway, enough preaching. Let's talk overachievement. But first, I want to remind you, the podcast is brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. Check them out online. ABSMS.com is the website. If you or your business are located anywhere inside of the state of Mississippi and you're in the market for office technology, anything office technology, copiers and printers, mail machines, cloud storage, data security, phone systems, whatever the case may be, if your business needs technology in the office and you're in Mississippi, check them out. ABSMS.com. Tell them I sent you you'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. Again, absms.com. The podcast is also brought to you by Priority One Bank. Let them make you their priority. they got 16 locations scattered across the state of Mississippi. Of course, they have an online banking platform. It's 2023 after all, but theirs is a one-stop shop. You don't need multiple apps to get your online banking done. It's, It's just one. Do everything you need to do with your money with one app instead of three, like my previous bank. And they also have local loan servicing and decision-making, so you don't have to get on Zoom or on the phone to talk to somebody out of state uh, to get a loan. It's somebody right in your backyard with Priority One Bank. Again, let them make you their priority. All right. Ole Miss, they're, they're over under win total, depending on the book you look at, is seven and a half. So uh, going over the seven and a half, I guess, would be overachieving. And going under would be underachieving. So that's the context. Uh, that we're going to approach this in. Ole Miss will win more than seven and a half games for, I narrowed it down to three reasons. There's more than that, obviously, but these are the three biggest things that I think uh, have have a recipe for Ole Miss being much more successful this year than seven games. Um, and I'll start with the biggest thing, at least in my opinion, and, and it's Pete Golding. Pete Golding paired with uh, the defensive line talent that they acquired in the portal after his arrival. I think that, and you guys have heard me say this before, I've said it a hundred times, I'll say it a hundred more, um, there was such a disingenuous discourse. How about that? Disingenuous discourse. The the reaction from Alabama people, hell, college football media, and even a very small percentage of Ole Miss people, and then, you know, I hear from state fans often as well because of, of what I do uh every day from three to six, but there was a lot of people that said very stupid things like Pete Golding was only good because he was at Alabama. Um, I've talked about that with you guys before. You don't have top 10 S&P plus defenses five years running. 
if you don't know what you're doing. Yes, even with Alabama players, but also that doesn't explain um, how good he was at Texas San Antonio either. Did he have the best players in college football when he was there? Probably not. Uh, there was also, as I understand it, you can take my information for what it's worth, a bit of a false narrative about um, his exit from Alabama. There are people that say that Nick Saban forced him out. As far as I understand it, not the case. Uh, not the case at all. Could have returned had he wanted to, but either here nor there. Uh, he is an upgrade from what you had a year ago, that the years of experience, the recruiting chops, you're already seeing it, but the scheme and the years of experience and the system and the proven ability to call good defenses and develop players uh, is far better than what you had previously. And because of that upgrade, I don't think Ole Miss is going to have a top 20 defense or whatever this year. Hell, maybe they never have one. But I, I am expecting to see a rather dramatic improvement when it comes to scheme, preparation, game planning, stuff like that on defense. I, I think that that is coming, and you're going to see it basically right away. You won't see it in the Mercer game. They're going to be so vanilla against Mercer, I imagine, because why would they not be? But I think you will see in week two the, the difference. Now, again, I don't think they're going to be like a top 20 defense or anything, but I expect a pretty significant improvement from schematics and preparation and stuff like that with Pete Golding uh, at Ole Miss as opposed to his predecessor. And then the portal guys. Uh, Ole Miss needed desperately depth on the defensive line. I know a lot of people have talked about the secondary, and they have added a ton of guys in the secondary as well. It is a poorly kept secret at this point that Pete Golding was not exactly thrilled uh, with the, the personnel in the secondary when he arrived at Ole Miss. But as you guys know, you're not winning anything, anything at all in the SEC without being good up front. And they got better up front. Um, one, Cedric Johnson's back. Hopefully he can stay healthy for an entire season because you saw how effective he was even when playing through injury when he was like 45%. Like he wasn't even close to 100% playing last year, and he's still an effective player when he's on the field. He's back and healthy. Uh, Pegues was good in spots last year. Uh, I expect him to take a step forward. You, you return Jared Ivey. Jamon Gordon gave you some snaps last year, and then you've added to that group Ukwu, who has played a ton of football and was first team all Sun Belt, a bunch of people wanted that guy. You locked him up. Uh, you added a, a guy in Stefan Wynn who has recorded stats in six, no, five college football seasons, right? Ford, Alabama, one at Nebraska. Yeah, five different seasons he has recorded stats in. Uh, I mean, that is big time. Uh, Josh Harris really flashed in the spring game. Uh, apparently, you know, consistency is is the question uh, with him. Can he do it every snap? But you saw the potential there. And he uh, he is also a guy that has played a ton, a ton of uh, of football. And even like a Georgia Tech transfer and a Kalo Stone, uh, they have greatly improved their depth on the defensive line via transfer portal. And how great are they? What is their ceiling? Maybe their ceiling's not particularly high, but they have greatly elevated the floor. And it has gone from a position group that you didn't know who the hell was going to play to they have a, a two-deep rotation, essentially, of really experienced football players. Now, 
the question, and we'll talk about this tomorrow, is acclimation. Can they get to Ole Miss in time? Can they acclimate within the team? Can they learn the system and be effective right away? That That's a question, of course, but at least when you look at this group, it's a bunch of guys that have played a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of football. And then expand that out to the linebacker as well. Monty Montgomery has played a ton, a metric ton of football. Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste has played a ton of football. And you get Sistrunk and you get Kari Coleman back. And, and now you feel, or you should feel, at least better about the linebacker spot, especially considering the experience that those guys have. Is this the most talented defense that Ole Miss will have under Lane Kiffin? Uh, you should hope not. But they have transformed it from a team or a unit with a ton of questions to a unit that still has a lot of questions, but a lot of experience has been added on defense. So Pete Golding paired with that experience, I think, will lead to Ole Miss overachieving defensively next year. Number two is the tight end position. It's the most underrated thing that people are talking about with Ole Miss this year is the tight end position. I think that's in part why they struggled so much in the red zone. And I know when people say, well, one player being hurt shouldn't impact you that much. And, and maybe uh, you're right. But the only option they had for a large portion of the season last season was Casey Kelly, who was playing injured. And so when that is your best and only option at tight end, it got to the point where they had to play Mingo at tight end just because they needed they needed a body there. And physically, he was big enough and, and capable of doing it. But uh, when you now have a healthy Michael Trigg and there was questions about not just him, you know, physically his health, but buy-in and, and whatnot. That, if you believe what you hear, has improved. But the skill set's absolutely there. And the addition of Caden Prescorn, which is somebody that everybody's really high on, now that position can be one that that can stress defenses like you've seen in the past at Ole Miss uh, under Lane Kiffin. And they just couldn't do that towards the end of last year. Now they can. I think the tight end position really, really helps this offense. And that was an underrated talking point last year when it came to the struggles in the red zone and why at times they struggled offensively last year. A lot of that had to do with tight end. At least I think it did. And so now that they have one what is expected to be a really reliable and consistent target that people really love, a true tight end that that has next-level potential, that has played a ton of football, and then a guy with the physical attributes of, of Michael Trigg, and both of them could share the field at the same time, uh, suddenly that position can really open up this offense in ways that people have not talked about enough, in my opinion, this offseason. And, and the last one, the most obvious one, is improved quarterback play. You guys know me. You listen to me enough. I, I thought that Jackson Dart, considering what he was up against, remember, he joined the team in February and had to split the reps in the spring, had to split the reps all summer, had to split the reps in training camp. Uh, for a 19-year-old quarterback, I, I think, performed pretty admirably. Uh, you saw a lot of potential, certainly not close to a finished product. There are people that I've heard from, like I'm not, and I don't mean like sources people. I mean just like Ole Miss fans that say things like they weren't impressed at all with him last year and they didn't see any potential. And I'm just mind blown by that thought. There is a ton of potential. He a year ago wasn't close to it, but if you couldn't see it, then then you were blind to it. Uh, tough, uh, runs well, 
moves well in the pocket, masked some issues on the offensive line because of his uh, elusiveness uh, in the pocket, didn't make the best decisions uh, always, but the potential is there. And everything you hear out of spring is that Jackson Dart has improved pretty dramatically. And even if, for whatever reason, he, he loses the starting job, the guy that will start ahead of him, I fully expect it to be Dart. I could be wrong, but anyway, um, if it's not him, the other guy has four years of starting experience in college football uh, and is a, a accomplished player in his own right with the physical ability. You saw the running ability, especially in the spring game. Um, they have improved at the most important position on the field, whether it's Jackson Dart taking a step forward that everybody involved in the program has said he has, or it's Spencer Sanders, a guy with four years of starting experience that's a true dual threat that has played a lot of football and won a lot of games. Those are your options at quarterback. That position, the most important position on the field, if you believe what you hear, has improved and has improved pretty dramatically. So, um, yeah, if Ole Miss is going to overachieve, it's going to be because of improved quarterback play, because the tight end is actually a position that they can rely on again, and because Pete Golding and those portal guys were exactly what you thought that they were. So there you go. There's some optimism. Going to throw some cold water on that tomorrow and give you three reasons why Ole Miss will underachieve in 2023. But for now, enjoy your optimism. Find something else to watch on TV besides LSU winning a championship. And I'll see you guys on the next one. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.